Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Life of an Average Joe podcast. We are here. Yeah, it's crazy, right? We're here once again. Man, I apologize to everybody for this late drop of an episode. I do have episodes out every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, a new episode drops. But unfortunately, we were supposed to record an episode of This Dude and That Dude this past Sunday. Uh, We were actually going to do a This Dude and That Dude roundtable. We had a good crew with us. Uh, We all went out to dinner. I try to do these, what I like to call family dinners. Since I don't really have any family in Texas, I, I have my friends and my people. And they are what would be the closest thing to family. I literally don't have one blood family member here. Well, besides my son, but I don't think my four-year-old would do a podcast. Although we did used to do this thing uh, called Luke and Dada's Movie Review. Uh, It was right when COVID started. So once a week, uh, we would look at a movie and we would talk about it. Um, I think he was three at the time, go from two to three and then between three and four. Unfortunately, after about two of them, maybe three of them, he just kept on saying poop. Like literally every time I would do the movie review, I'd be like, so we just watched the new Scooby-Doo, uh, Scooby-Doo movie, uh, the brand new one called Scoob. What do you think of it? And he'd just go poop. That's all he'd say. It was like poop. He was on this word poop for like, I got to say months. And then he had a meltdown and <laughs> creative differences. We stopped doing them. I'd like to go back to that and, and do it again um, when he gets older because I think it could be fun. But anyway, I digress. Unfortunately, though, we couldn't record the podcast. We had several people that were going to be on the show, had some issues they had to deal with, and uh, David is actually moving, so he bounced. I'm still going to call him out for that, but he bounced, and it just never, never, you know, worked with the remainder that we had. So it got pushed back, but then it left a big hole in my podcast schedule, and I had to either move an episode up, which I didn't want to do, or create a new episode, but I got an idea kind of inspired from talking to a friend and kind of inspired from last week's episode. So it's, they are connected in a sense, but you don't, if you miss last week's episode, shame on you. Uh, you should go back and listen to it. You don't have to listen to it before listening to this one. You just don't. Okay. You can listen to this one, but there's going to be some things that might be like, what? Uh, So I would suggest definitely listening to the last one before you come to this one. But I'm going to dive in because I think it's a good follow-up and I think it's still kind of going with this random theme that I'm not sure some of you have picked up on yet uh, for the next episode or two. And this is talking about movement, the Electronic Music Festival, DIMF, the Detroit Electronic Music Festival, Tech Fest, whatever you want to say. And it's appropriate because they're doing it again at the end of the month in Detroit. I will not be there. I haven't been there for about, I would say about 10 years, uh, maybe nine. I, it's, it's, it's hard to say, um, <clears throat> mostly because I just can't remember. <laughs> I, just, I just can't remember the timeline of it. Look, when you do so much, and it's just hard to remember everything. But this was a big festival, and I've mentioned it several times. And I really don't want to focus on the festival itself, but I want to focus on the fact that for me it was significant. It was significant because I had moved to Texas. I had been, I I was in Texas already. And I had been there for not a year, but about, I don't know, six, seven months maybe. I, I, I can't remember again. And everything that I did at the nightclub was done. I was starting over in in so many ways. I was starting over in a new state, almost as a new person. Everything that happened, good, bad, questionable, ugly, in Detroit was in Michigan was done. That chapter of my life was closed. And I can say that because the jobs closed. A lot of my friendships were closed. My relationships were closed. A lot of things 
were done. There might have been some feelings and some artifacts that were lingering in my mind about things that have happened, but it was it was moving on. I came to a place where I didn't know anybody. You know, two people, so to speak. Um, that's about it. And one of them, I hardly knew. So I was starting over in a, in a place that I never thought I would be. And coming from a situation that was vastly different than Texas. But it was time to really put a final stamp on, on my life as far as the promotion company goes, the club scene, the tech scene, all that. Not the tech scene, the electronic music scene, all that. It was time to end it. And I had a craving to go back to movement, or that's what they called it at the time. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what to call it. I guess movement's okay, but because it is a movement, you know, it's a, it's a three-day festival, really longer if you think about it. But the actual festival takes place over Memorial Day weekend, um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Friday's like the pre. But there's always like the week leading up to movement. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And then Sunday, or I'm sorry, Monday when it's over, it is over. I think everybody's just beat down, exhausted, and they're like, we are not doing this anymore. We'll see you next year. And then people are flying back to their homes, driving back to their homes and all that. Um, but I had a craving to go back. And I had been talking to people from the club, you know, because we were all kind of dispersed. You know, the club was shutting down. The job was no longer there. What were we to do? And we all still wanted to have this moment in the sun. One last day of vacation, so to speak. And we we had been engrossed and entrenched in the Detroit club scene and the music so much that we had to go back to it. We had to get back to it somehow. I didn't know the electronic music scene in Texas. I, I knew a little bit just because I research and I know some people that have gone there. But I wasn't trying to, to start this back up in Texas. Matter of fact, I wasn't even sure if I was going to stay here. It was like an experiment. It was a social experiment. So if I was going to stay in Texas, the last thing I, I wanted to do was dive right into the electronic music scene. I wanted to get my ground, my feet on the ground and stabilized before I did anything else. You know, jobs and places to live and all that. But I knew I wanted to go back home. And as I was talking to DJs like Mike Check, who was on the promotion company with me, and I was talking to other DJs and other people, I thought to myself, I got to go. I got to be part of this. And this was a big deal because this particular movement came at a time when so many people back in Michigan lost their jobs. So many people from the automobile industry suffered. They lost benefits. They lost jobs. They got hours cuts. Uh, or they worked for a company that was connected to the automobile industry. It was like a spider web of, of just closings and layoffs and things like that. Because people think, hey, well, I didn't work for Ford or Chrysler or General Motors, so it didn't affect me. That's, that's just not true. When you have the Motor City and you have these major, major connections to the automobile industry that runs so deep from the entertainment industry, the restaurant, hotels, even medical. People were getting laid off. So you had a lot of people that were displaced. And then, of course, you had the people in the clubs that were like, we don't know what's going to happen. Some of these clubs have cut their hours. Some of these mainstay clubs, like mine, shut down. And then here we are having the, the electronic music festival. Well, they had to have it. You can't cancel it. Because you've got people coming from all across the country, from Germany, um, other parts like Las Vegas, New York, France. I mean, we're talking global. To come to the Motor City, you need that revenue. You need that tourism. God knows the sports teams weren't doing anything to bring it in. So you needed that tourism. Three days, you got hotels, restaurants, just spending money, funneling thousands and thousands, millions of dollars into the city of Detroit. It's it's worth it. It's one of the better festivals that they've managed to pull off for years in that city. So we were going to be a part of it because we wanted to be Detroit proud. We wanted to be Michigan proud. We wanted to be like, hey, look, we are struggling. We are hurting. We've all lost our jobs. We are, we have changed our career paths. This has put wear and tear on our our mind, our bodies, and our souls Let's do something. So 
a couple of the promoters that I worked with got together and did a Made in Detroit stage. And it was all DJs from Detroit. And I loved it. I loved the idea. So I'm thinking to myself, Detroit is the home of techno. Let's get more people involved. So I started to reach reach out. And I said, instead of doing this one night, because you know they thought they were just going to do the Made in Detroit stage one night. I said, no, no. Let's do this. Not only one night, but let's also do a Made in Detroit after party each night somewhere. I don't care if it's at the same venue. Let's do it somewhere. So we began this process. Now, mind you, the festival is about three and a half months out, four months out. We're a little late in the game, but we're working hard to get it done. We end up doing the Made in Detroit stage Saturday, Sunday, and we shut it off Monday afternoon. It was a little bit cheaper, and it was also a way for all of us to kind of go, you know, either go back home or just go experience some of the other DJs. And we put, we we got, I, I think total the contact that I had, like as far as contacting DJs, I think the ones that committed to it, because it wasn't a question, you know, you always worry about it. What are these guys doing? You know, what are these DJs doing? Are they going to be able to come out to this? Did they already sign on to another promotion company? Are they not interested anymore? I can tell you right now, everybody that we asked pretty much said yes. At one point, we had to cut it off. But whenever DJs couldn't be at the festival, we brought them to the Made in Detroit after party, which was awesome. It was at Works. Um, We did Works two nights. And then I think, oh God, what was the third place? I don't remember the third place name, to be honest with you. I know it was down the street from Works. I don't even know if it's there anymore. It was next to a tattoo shop. That's all I know. Um, and we, we were DJing, and it was great. We had Mike Check, DJ Irene came in. We had all my people from Chicago were there, except for Giovanni. And I guess Isabel wasn't there. So Giovanna was there. And some of the other promoters that we worked with in Chicago came to support. Um, I was going to DJ. And this was a big deal for me because I hadn't DJed in a long time. And I had a lot of emotional baggage, to be honest with you to be able to prepare for that because when the promotion company ended that was like it was the right thing to do and I really didn't have a choice unless I wanted to go search out other DJs and and commit to this the timing of everything was right It, it was a sign of things to come and I talk about this in last week's episode but I had a lot of emotional baggage because it reminded me of when this thing came together and Polly was involved, and then Polly was now passed away. And Isabel, you know, how we met and connected and meshed so much, and, and how great of a talent she was, but she was done. How Giovanni just disappeared after Polly died. How this weird dude who I really liked, but he was almost like he reminded me of, you know, that old, old cartoon, and some of you might not know it, where it's got that big, like, bulldog, and that little tiny dog is just bouncing around underneath him, like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go, George? What are we going to do? That's what he reminded me of. So at times, I just wanted to spray him with a water bottle and be like, bro, sit down. Or give him a bone, or play fetch and throw the ball really far so he'd go away. Um, but he was a good dude. He was loyal. He supported everybody. He was excited. He didn't care that he didn't get to DJ a lot with us. He just wanted to be a part of it. He was just there. He was a piece of furniture, but not annoying. Not, and when I say that, I don't... Well, he was annoying. When I say that he was a piece of furniture, I mean... He was a piece of furniture that was okay to be there. That's probably a really bad example. <laughs> but he disappeared after Paulie died. To be honest with you, and I said it last week, I don't know what happened to him. I did try to kind of Google him and search and find him, and I can't find him on any social media platforms. That doesn't mean he's not on it. Could be under a different name. Who knows? But I, whatever happened in his mind when Paulie passed away and he saw what was happening with the promotion company, I think he was just like, yeah, I'm gone. 
And I know he really bonded to us. And, and there was a part of that is because he didn't have a lot of friends. I'm not to say he didn't know anybody. or not to say he didn't have family in Chicago or anything like that. He just didn't have a lot of friends. Because he'd bring out like the same two people to events all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have a ton of friends anymore. I have a lot of people I know. And a lot of people that I can work with and I consider them like, and I'm not talking like work work, I'm talking like my projects that I actually enjoy, like the podcast and writing and stuff like that. Some of those people have developed into friendships, others have developed into friendships and then they fizzled out. That's life. But I don't have a lot of friends that I just hang out with, you know, and as I, as you get older, and we've talked about this too. It just happens that way. So I don't mind that he didn't have a lot of friends. I just don't know what happened to him. I'm sure he's okay. I just think he quit. Sometimes you have to completely unplug from the Matrix and not plug yourself back in. And I think that's what he did. So he wasn't there. But he he would have been there. I know had I gotten a hold of him, he would have been absolutely happy to be a part of this. Even just for one night. I think anyway. I mean, I'm speculating, but that's my that's my thought process. But we were getting everybody there. Then Mike Check was getting a hold of some other DJs that were part of the Detroit club scene. And we're talking old school. We went from scratchers to drum and bass to um, trance to hip hop to just everything. And we wanted to just showcase who Detroit was because this was a time for the city of Detroit to stand up and be like, look, we are getting our butts kicked, but it's not the first time that we get our butts kicked. It was not the last time that we got beaten up. Um, so let's get up and let's show the world what we can do because it's our stage. And I remember I flew into town and mind you, I'm in Texas, still trying to get my feet wet, still trying to pretty much decide if I'm going to stay here. Obviously I did. So here I am, but we flew, I flew into town, stayed at my parents' house, saved money, and I was like immediately down in Detroit, boom, and we're setting up the Friday night. We didn't have a kickoff show. We didn't. Some of the DJs flew in, we're texting, we're talking, but some of the DJs did their own thing at different events, but we didn't have a made in Detroit kickoff show. But that Saturday, that Saturday for movement, I was down at the festival checking in at 8 a.m. Mind you, I have a lot of nerves. And I, I meaning because of this emotional baggage, because I was thinking of why aren't these people here? And it still hurt. It's like a fresh wound. Like you're healing, but then all of a sudden, you know, maybe you pop a stitch. Sorry, guys, just moved my microphone. Um, you pop a stitch a little bit and it kind of hurts. And you're like, ah, I got to go back to the doctor and get another stitch. So you're not quite healed yet. And as I'm down in the city and, and the vibe and I can hear the music and I see people pulling up and parking and, and then you see all the people that are ready to start partying. But then you got us, the talent, the promoters, the dancers, everything. And so we had a separate entrance, obviously. We checked in by VIP and talent and so on. And I check in and I'm like Brandon Navarro with Blue. Oh, no, not Blue Nightclub. With Pacheco? No, I'm not with Pis. Uh, I'm with... Who am I with? What, what is this under? And I'm like, I give my ID, and they're like, oh, the Made in Detroit. I'm like, well, that makes sense. It was almost like I forgot who I was representing. And I get there, and they should, they take me to the tent where the lounge is. And the lounge is everything you want. Bottled water. Vitamin water was huge. Not to say it's not huge now, but it was a massive, because it was pretty new and they were coming out with all kinds of flavors. I think 50 Cent just had his flavor released. So it was free vitamin water. I mean, you had whole tables full of food, fruit and salads and then muffins and everything constant because we were part of the talent. And I check in my, my equipment. I didn't bring a lot of equipment because I was on the plane, but I had to bring in my specific headphones I like and a couple other things. I didn't worry about the, the records because I knew what I was going to do and I knew who had what and it was okay. Plus, I had had records at my parents' house, so 
because I didn't bring all my stuff from from Michigan because I wasn't sure if I was staying there. So I just left it with my parents if I didn't sell it. And I brought a couple of those. But I knew what I was going to do. I was okay. I, and again, I was okay in my mind, but I think I was really silencing exactly what was going to happen. Because I knew that when it, it, it became time for me to get up on stage... I don't think I would have been that, I don't think I was going to be that great. I think I was going to be slightly nervous and, I don't know, maybe a little rusty, you know? There's just, it's a lot of emotions. I didn't realize how much, but they were coming. So I go to the main main of Detroit stage. I see where it is. They take me, they zip me over there in a golf cart. Because this is right in Hart Plaza. Now, Hart Plaza is right on the Detroit River. It's a pretty big area. They pack a lot of a lot of stuff there. And it's cool about Hart Plaza is there's these there's the main stage. That's where Public Enemy played, which was awesome. Uh, Ice T was there, by the way. He introduced Public Enemy. Um, that was the final day of the show, and they had like an art gallery that went below, and then below that they had like this is where the real like rave room, where you're talking serious drum and bass and uh, just intense music. Uh, was down there, but it was it was a big area, and it was beautiful because it's Memorial Day weekend. There was always a chance of rain. I felt like it always rained a couple times, but not for long. It reminded me of Florida. You know, it rained for a couple minutes, hard, and then it'd be done. Now there was one day though on the last day, it just downpoured so much and lightning and everything, and we basically had to cancel. This was this was a couple years before, but it was great because you got to look over the Detroit River and and see how beautiful it was and that whole area especially now what they've done to riverwalk now compared to what it was it's a game changer it's beautiful and not that the detroit river is beautiful to go in because i just don't think it is um but it is beautiful because it's huge and you take the boat out there and you see canada and when you go to canada if you've ever been to canada during and i doubt some of you maybe some of you have have you ever gone to Canada when there's a festival going on the other side of the Detroit River? You can hear the music. So a lot of times we'd have people over on Canada because they would do like a carnival or something like that. Um, they would always have festivals too along their side of the river. They'd just be jamming out listening to the techno fest. And it might just be a hodgepodge of music. Like you couldn't be like, oh, hey, that's DJ Dara or oh, that's Brandon playing or that's Public Enemy. It'd just be a bunch of music, but they'd just be dancing over there. It was cool. Um, and I remember seeing the Made in Detroit stage and it was awesome because these speaker columns are so big and it had the Made in Detroit logo on it. Well, Mike Check pulled up or rolled up to me and he had a producer with him and he said, Hey, you know, I think, I think the guy's name was Dan. We'll just call him Dan. I guess I could look on the DVD. Let me see. I have the DVD here. Oh, I was definitely wrong. It's definitely not Dan. Well, maybe it is Dan. Well, I can't find his name anywhere. Oh, nope. Definitely wrong, dude. Evan. Okay, sorry, Evan. Um, he said, I got my producer here, Evan. He wants to document this thing. He wants to do interviews with the talent, behind the scenes setup, and he wants to record it and do a Made in Detroit DVD, start some pre-sales of it, and then obviously give it to all of us and, and, and sell it on his website. Cool. Go for it. I'm cool with that. You know, um, we actually gave, I forgot how much money we ended up making off of it in the long run. And we gave some to a charity, actually a local charity. It was really cool. Um, it was one of the many made in Detroit charities that, you know, we contributed to over the years. So I sat down with him and gave him a little bit of background. I didn't really have anything to do. I was just there. Um, my my job at the time was to kind of check things out. Look, we had people setting up the stage. We had equipment. It wasn't time for me to check out my stuff yet because I wasn't performing until Sunday. I wasn't going to do Saturday. I wanted to, to be one of the closers. And I say closers, meaning I just wanted to be on the last day. Obviously, I wasn't going to be the main dude closing out that night because that's not who I was. I was not this big DJ, but I wanted to be on the last night. I wanted to end it. So I interviewed and we talked about, you know, kind of where I came from, 
uh, you know, me moving to Texas. And in the DVD, he probably kept about maybe 20 minutes of this in there, which I thought was cool, maybe a little bit more. And then he worked in little snippets of that interview because the interview itself was 45 minutes, maybe even an hour because he used snippets later on when it came to me DJing. But it was awesome because we got to hear the stories from all these different DJs as to why they came back to do this, why it was important to be on the Made in Detroit stage, why they wanted to be involved in movement and how they felt about the city of Detroit, even for people that didn't live there anymore, like myself and other DJs that had moved to Chicago or Florida and things like that, just what they meant, what it meant to them to come back and support this massive event, especially during this time of year when things were rough, you know? Um, so... It was really cool though. It was it was it was really cool to to talk to him about it. And then I just went on about my business and ran into people. Giovanna texted me. She was on her way down. She was just there as a spectator. She did not perform. Uh but she just wanted to hang out. She brought a couple of her girlfriends around, which I thought was really cool. And um it was great. You know, it it we felt like the family was kind of there again. Plus there were some new members. Mike check said, hey, uh, Miss Detroit's on her, you know, going to be on her way down here today. And I said, yeah, I imagined. I, you know, I didn't reach out for her or reach out to her because I knew you, you said you did. Well, for those of you that remember what we talked about in the previous episode and other episodes, Miss Detroit not only was an awesome dancer and had a great ear for techno music and really honestly on the producing tip, she really had a an ear and an eye for it. Like... She was so much more than a dancer. Um, And when I say dancer, take away the club scene, go-go stuff. She was a professional dancer. She was awesome. She was in dance competitions. Um, She won plenty. She was trained in numerous styles. Um, She's got her own dance studio now. And, you know, that's just who she was. But you take away all that. She had the eye for events. Like when we would talk about doing events, it wasn't like she would just give me her suggestions. She'd be like, well, wait a minute. What if, and we'd work on things together. We'd work on marketing and producing. Gosh, I got to stop hitting that microphone. we work on mic- uh, miking. Well, she did do some miking, producing. She even tried to DJ a couple times, but she just was like, ah, I don't want to do it. Um, she was great, but my check reached out to her because he knew her and I, I I don't like the term falling out because it's like I said before, we did not have a falling out. We just kind of broke up and the breakup was for real this time. And it was a hard one, mostly because of everything that had happened on top of that outside of the breakup. (laughs) You know, Mistakes were made on my part, mostly on my part, on her part, a little bit. Life, just things. And it was pulling us in different directions. And I said it before, you know how sometimes you are in a relationship or you have a friend or whatever, and you guys go through something really good and really great and connect on such a high level that you can almost feel when things aren't working out. It's not that you're fighting it's not that you are arguing. It's not that you are have like these horrible animosities toward each other. It's just you feel this space growing wider and wider between you. Even though you could get together for a tech fest and be like, boom, nothing changed, and have those moments, when the music's off and the sound is off and the events are off, you feel this space. And some of it can't be explained. Sometimes you just grow apart. You don't know why. That's probably the worst feeling, I think. I would I would much rather know why. Whether I agreed with it or not, I would much rather know why me and somebody else grew apart than to not know. And we knew. It was because there was something that she, she had got an offer at this job. And I'm being very vague because it's very important for me to keep the somewhat anonymous vibe on these people because I haven't talked to them about these, you know, can I, can I talk about this or not? 
For some of you, you already know this story, so I'm, you, you can figure it out. For others, though, it's just very important that I don't mention them. Sometimes I mention people, sometimes I don't. I just, I want to keep their, their side, you know, they're not here to talk about it. I want to be fair. But she got this job offer, and it was a big one. And it was something that there was no way, shape, or form that she could have said no to. And I supported her on that because she was, this is, I mean, this is everything she worked for. And you have a window with this job opportunity. Not not just a window to accept it. You have a a shelf life once you do accept it. And I knew it was going to be a great experience. It was going to take her to where she is today. I mean, who was I as a boyfriend, friend, or anything to say, no, don't do it. And she even asked me. Should I, you know, you can tell me no. What? I, why would I ever want that? So I said yes, and I thought that we could make it work because this job took her out of state. And it was tough because she spent some of her time there, she spent some of her time traveling, and then she'd come back and have off time and months, you know, where she'd be back in Michigan. But now I, you know, this was all leading up to you got to take it. I'd even thought about moving with her, but there was nothing there for me. I'd have to start all over anyway. Plus, at the time, the club was still semi-booming, kind of, but it was on its way out. Point is, in my heart, I didn't want her to take the job because I was being selfish. Because I didn't want, I knew what that meant in the long run. No matter how we tried, I knew it just wasn't going to work out. And she felt that, and she knew that. And that being said, it was also tough for her because she had friends and family and things like that, and me. You know, let's not take my credit away back here in Michigan. So that was where this giant space in between us started to build and make us feel like the big, giant, fat elephant in the room or hippo in the room. (laughs) I'm never going to be able to look at a hippo and not think of Moon Knight, by the way. Um, But she was coming, and I was okay with that because she should be part of it. She has been part of the club scene as long as I have. She's been part of this thing that we had put together as long as I have. We had worked so many events together, Miami, Philly, Chicago, Detroit, Windsor. I mean, she should be there. Well, she got there all right. And she texted me telling me she was here. And so they zipped her over on a golf cart. I gave her a big hug and and, and it was awesome. But as we went through the day and night of this festival, going into it, watching the DJs perform, she interviewed, she danced, she went, and you got to remember, we all know people. So even though we're focused on the Made in Detroit stage, we know so many people. I had these guys from Germany that I met one of my first years coming to this festival that every year when it came festival time, they'd either hit me up on MySpace or email me. And they emailed. And they were there. So we had to go see them. So we all knew people from vendors, everything. So we're all over the place, together, separate. I'm hanging there. I didn't really drink much. I I mean, I did because I was on vacation, you know. But I really just wanted to enjoy the the movement, so to speak. And it was so hot. I mean, I was pounding vitamin water and water. I mean, you were just sweating. This was a hot Memorial Day weekend. And Miss Detroit would go out there and dance on stage. And then, and then Mike Check was there. And it was just like, and Giovanna was having a blast. And her girlfriends were there. And it was just this, like everything that happened prior to this was gone. Everything that was going to happen after this didn't matter. We were in our own bubble for days of beats and sweat and drops and music and thumping and it was unreal and we went to the after party at the works and it was just continued to pound boom 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 i remember my sister and her friend came and i had some other family that came down and i i I even invited my parents because they were coming to detroit and i was like look you guys want to come in you guys want to come to the stage you can come to the stage but they didn't actually i don't remember why but they didn't so whatever um, and we were just, I mean, I definitely lost weight that weekend <laughs> from the sweat. And I'm kind of giving you a fast forward here. I don't want to go over every detail, but 
We get to Sunday night. And I'm realizing Monday I got a I got a DJ. No, Sunday night. I did not do the last day. My bad. Because we were doing a halfie. So Sunday night I got a DJ. We get to Saturday night. And we're hanging out. And I'm realizing it's gonna hit me tomorrow. I get there early in the morning. I stayed at the hotel with Miss Detroit and like a couple other people. After we went to the casino and wasted a bunch of money. And I'm going to be performing at about 4 o'clock. Because we took a break. And then we came back at 7. And then it was going to be 7 to 8, 8 to 9, 9 to 10, done. So we could go check out some of the main, the, the big DJs. I, I think 10.30 was the official stop time. So I was going to do a four o'clock, an hour set. Well, I've been working on a surprise for a while that I didn't tell these guys about. I didn't tell Mr. Troy. I didn't tell anybody about it. And I said it in my previous podcast. I love gospel music, like as far as a gospel choir, a good gospel choir. And I've always wanted to, to do something with a gospel choir, and I can't sing. Nobody wants to hear that. But I thought to myself, I'm going to get a gospel choir for this event. And I did. I've got this uh, gospel choir. It was awesome. Um, it was Detroit something gospel choir. And it was cool because they did a lot of charity events together. Um, I paid them, but I also donated to the charity. Personal money, not from the, the fun that we had. Gave them a plug, what have you. And they were, they, were, they were younger, too. They were like, I would say the oldest person was probably in their 20s. It was like a, a, a teenage, young adult choir. It was very cool. I think there was like maybe three or four that might have been, you know, adult adults. But it was awesome. And I had met them the day before to talk about it. And I had been emailing back and forth and giving them, like, links to things to listen to and all that. And I basically told them what I wanted to do so and when. And I knew that was coming. And I remember Miss Detroit and I were sitting in the lounge and we're talking and she's like, this is it, huh? She's like, you're about to get up there. I said, yeah. I said, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I said, but I'm also kind of nervous. Like the nerves are stepping in. And she's like, dude, you're never nervous about anything. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's coming at me. Like I'm feeling it. I'm feeling those jitters, those bugs, like the anxiousness of like, not that I was worried about messing up because if I mess up, I mess up, whatever. But I think because I was getting emotional because here I am in my comfort zone. But I knew that in just 24 hours, 30 hours, it was over. You know, once Monday hit, it was over. That was it. And I knew in my heart that this was going to be the end. I was not going to DJ anymore. I was not going to be involved in the techno scene anymore in Detroit. And that I don't know if I'd see these people ever again. And that tied in with the fact that I was going back to Texas at a very, very small circle. And I wasn't even sure if that circle was real or not. Come to find out, hardly anybody's back from that original circle. And I didn't know what the future held for Brandon. And that, you know, and after you go through these things and you put a lot of emotion and love and passion into this stuff and you don't know what the future holds for you, man, that, that is, I don't care how cool you are and how calm you are, that is something that just, it just sits with you. And there was so much history because I'm looking at a girl, quite frankly, it doesn't matter now, so I have to say this, but this is my mindset back then, I should have fought harder for to be honest with you. And I don't know if it would ever worked out. And it doesn't matter because life has a way of taking you down the roads that you need to go down, even if you don't think you need to go down those roads. Some of the roads that we create, that we go down, literally have signs that says, under construction, do not enter, uh, turn back, and we still have to do it. We still choose to do it. And that's, I've done that several times, and that's me being an idiot. But as far as how 
other things in life happen. It's, it's, it's written out for you. What we have control over is so very little. But I look back at that and I, you know, and I think about me and how I felt at that moment. And I should have at least said some things differently or fought harder. I don't know. And so she's in front of me and we're feeling like I don't feel that space anymore. That emptiness that's between us. I feel like this is who we are. But I also am not an idiot. I know that that's the ambiance and the techno music gods shining down on us and giving us love. So I understand that once this, once you unplug that amp and you put those vinyl records away, it's over. That's not to say that there's not going to be some feelings and that we don't care. Not to say that you're not going to miss your friends and Mike checking, but it's over. So I, I kind of ignored it, you know. But as I got on stage, as it got to be my stage time, I remember what I was wearing too, man. I was wearing this blue, like, Zoo York shirt, made in Detroit hat. I had these bright pink glasses on that we got for free from one of the other DJs. I think it was DJ Wave, was tossing out sunglasses and stuff. And I had just tweaked out an album that I'd recorded, my last album, finally put it together. I say just, I did it over the course of months. And it was called The Late Night Sessions. I'm a big Sinatra fan, and you'll find that out in an episode coming up. So I was listening to a lot of Sinatra, Dean Martin, uh, Rat Pack, uh, old school Italian music. And I started to get ideas for an album, like a year before. And we started to do this low-key, low-tempo house music. A little trance mixed with some kind of poppier vibes, but then it would hit hard. It was an album that I thought to myself, you can put this on and listen to it around a campfire and it makes sense. Or you could be smoking a cigar, drinking some whiskey by yourself in a dark room and it would fit. Or you could be doing it with people on a chill night. We're all drinking wine or something. And then you want to dance to get a little bit of energy. So this beat drops. It it was just a very unique thing. But it took me a long time to finish. Because I kind of gave up on it. But I finished it. And I ended up changing it from the late night sessions to the Chicago sessions because that's what I pictured when I was listening to this. I picture Chicago and my time in Chicago and I pictured that this was something that Paulie would really enjoy. So I had a bunch of those CDs that I had being handed out prior to me going on stage. Um, I sold a few there, but at that particular event, it was just about giving them away. I mean, we had at least a thousand... Probably a thousand units, man. Crazy. And I wanted people to be like, oh, this is, you know, who is this guy? Because the one thing about movement, you get all kinds of swag. I mean, you get all kinds of demos and stickers and and bags and hats and t-shirts. and I mean, just swag upon swag upon swag. Koozies, bottle openers, glow sticks. Just, it, you know, if you leave there and you say you didn't get anything, then, then you were at the wrong event. But I wanted this to be an advertisement of the Made in Detroit stage as well as me. So I remember getting up there. And I got to say, based on what I saw from the view, and if you've ever if you've ever performed in front of somebody, whether that's as a DJ, whether that's as um, playing sports or singing or a band, you kind of, you really can't look at the crowd. You can see the first couple rows, so to speak, or you can kind of do a, a glance around. But for me, doing a glance around and seeing everybody, I, I think it would, I think I'd be looking for specific people or it would hit me the wrong way. So I kind of just glanced and I waved, you know, put my fist up in the air, you know, always fighting. And um, I started and I mixed in some of the tracks from the Chicago sessions. Matter of fact, the first track I opened up with was a Sinatra track, and it was chill. And people were like, kind of vibing it because it was fun. And then I went into some of the Chicago sessions beats. And then I went into because Mike Check knew what I needed. He was my record dude. And in all fairness, I have to I have to be honest. I also did some 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 CD stuff. 
and some tracks that were just downloaded. I don't normally like that. I like a straight up mostly record, but we did a little mix of everything. Again, I'm not bringing all my stuff, so I had to do that. And it was cool. It was fun, and I started to feel it. It was hot. I was sweaty. Uh, matter of fact, there's some pictures that, that were taken, and it was almost like there was just water and humidity on the lens, man. And Evan's there, DJ or not DJing, getting photographs, getting footage for the DVD, and I'm going on. And then I see Miss Detroit dancing in the crowd, getting closer, and she comes up on stage. Giovanni comes up on stage, and that's not her gig at all. And her friends, yeah, that is their gig. And they were all dancing. It was awesome, man. Because I remember security stopped him, except for Miss Detroit, because she had a lanyard. And I remember I, like, waved him in, and I saw my people. I saw my people. I saw my check up front. I saw, you know, DJ Irene. I saw all of them there. Like the promoters, like just kids that I used to do club kids. We called them club kids. We'd hand them flyers to go hand out in the streets. They were there. They had worked with me for years. My German crew was there. And then I dropped it down real low and it was this little chill beat. I can't really reenact it for you. And nobody wants me to. It'll be awful. And my choir starts humming and walking up the stairs. I'm getting chills right now thinking about it. I got to be honest with you. And they start singing and they're humming. And you hear them humming. And people are like, wait a minute, we know this. And they started, I just dropped the beat so low, but they, they all started singing We Are Young from fun. And it was that moment where the crowd just went nuts. This is a hot song at the time. This is a hot band. And who doesn't love a gospel choir? Give me a break, right? If you don't love a gospel choir, get out. Go. I can't be friends with you anymore. And I just sit there, and I remember I looked up. And I'll be real with you guys. I started crying. I had tears streaming down my face. I couldn't hold them back anymore. Because it was out of excitement. It was out of the memories I missed Paulie. I wish Giovanni was there. I knew that when I looked over at Miss Detroit that this was it. That's just emotional, man. I was just emotional. There was reasons I probably don't even know. Probably everything that I've been holding in me that led up to me leaving and going to Texas, it, it just hit me, man. And it just it just hit me. It hit me hard. And we played, and then I played that track, and then I dropped the beat in the middle, and the gospel choir danced, and then they slowly walked off stage, and I ended it with an old-school Detroit, old-school Detroit techno track, and faded away. And it was cool, man, because I tell you right now, I finally got a head count. Well, I say finally. I didn't get an actual head count. But I looked out there, and I'm like, there's at least 500 people out there, maybe six. Because it's hard to tell because there were stairs and people were on the stairs and 600 people. I know there wasn't a thousand, but I'll say at least six. If there might have been more between six and 700, six, 750, something like that. I don't know. And I've only watched the DVD once because it's pretty emotional for me still. <sighs> Unbelievable. And I went off stage. And people were cheering and clapping, and then, you know, people were waiting on the next thing. It's a big festival, so, you know, it wasn't like they were like, encore, <laughs> give me a break, I'm not a rock star. But that moment was the closest thing I could ever come to being a rock star, and I'll, I'll, I'll forever remember that in history, for sure. And I got in the, um, uh, no, I didn't. I actually didn't get in the golf cart. I walked back to the lounge, and I sat down, and I just felt spent. And I felt by myself. I know there was other people chilling in the lounge, but I felt by myself. And I remember finally Mike Check and Miss Detroit came up to me. Mike Check gave me a hug and he's like, bro, that was killer. He's like, this is going to be great on DVD. I'm so glad we did this. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. And I was like, man, I, I, could, I could not not be a part of it. And then he dipped out and then Miss Detroit like gave me a big hug and stuff. And I remember she said, She's like, how do you feel? And I was like, I feel great. She's like, you put it all out there. I said, I put it all out there and that's all I got. And she's like, yeah, I know. She's like, me too. And I was like, are you going to stick around? You know, you're not leaving, are you? And she's like, no, I'm sticking around till till Monday. I was like, cool. 
And then whatever happened, happened, you know, so, you know, a little, a little some, some. No, not, not really. I'd be in the tent with front of a hundred people. I mean, you know, don't, don't, don't they got to pay for that? But, um, we went back and we just enjoyed the rest of the night. You know, we just enjoyed the rest of the night. Watch Public Enemy. I mean, Ice-T introduced Public Enemy. Are you kidding me? I was so close to Ice-T. Like, I, I mean, I could have reached up and smacked him. Not that I would do that, but... And then we went to the after party. And we, we just danced and rocked. But then myself, Mike Check, Giovanna and her friends, Mr. Detroit, Evan, and who else... I don't remember. It might have been Stacy. Um, we went back to movement, which was pretty much wrapped up, but we went to the Detroit, you know, walk along the Detroit River. And we were sitting down by the Detroit River. It's got to be like three in the morning. And we're hanging out. And we're just talking. And we're reminiscing. And we're talking about the events. And we're making jokes. And we're we're just, you know, drinking water, eating some dogs. And just hanging out. And I remember... My check gets up and was like, dude, I have a hole in my shoe. And we're like, what? And he's like, I don't want to tell you guys, but for the last three hours, somehow the bottom of these awesome shoes that I spent way too much money on have a hole in them. And I'm like, dude, shut up. And he's like, no, they do. And he shows me, and there's a big giant hole. And I, and you just see like dirt on his sock. I'm like, bro, that is, you're, you're basically one step from homeless. Like that's, and we're just ribbing him. He takes his shoes off and goes, you know what? Boom. Pitches them in the Detroit River. Both of them. And I'm like, you're nasty, dude. Well, then Giovanna goes, you know what? I got you. She throws her shoes in the river. It started a chain reaction. And for some, by the way, all of us are sober. For some sober moment, we threw our shoes in the Detroit River. So right now, my shoes are in the Detroit River. Or they're eaten by sharks. Not sharks. What the heck? They're eaten by fish or they're connected to a dead body or some homeless guy fished them out or they disintegrated. But they, we threw all of our shoes in the Detroit River and Mike checks like, dude, that's our memory right there, bro. And we got a picture of all of us with our feet sticking up, no socks, no shoes. And then we forget that we actually now have to walk uh, in Detroit back to our cars, which that's disgusting, um, <laughs> to go back to the hotels. The next day is the final day, you know, and we didn't stay long. A lot of people started heading back. Giovanni, Giovanna had to drive back to Chicago. A lot of the DJs flew. Mike Check was going to be there. He was breaking down. We helped break down some stuff. And then it was goodbye time. And it was one after another. If they could have faded away while I talked to them, as they left and just waved and faded away, I would not have been surprised because that's what it felt like. It felt like we put our heart and souls into this thing for so long. We put our blood, sweat, and tears into it the last couple of days. Every ounce of emotion from good to bad was dumped on that stage for everybody and into these nights that we didn't have enough energy to even keep our bodies together and we just disappeared or turned into force ghosts. That was it. And Mr. Trait said that she wasn't going to say goodbye and she didn't want to talk about anything deep. That she just wanted to do a simple goodbye. And we did. I gave her a big hug. Said what I had to say. Two sentences, maybe. She said two sentences. And she was gone. And that's the last time I saw her. Not the last time I've heard from her. I heard from her recently. Uh, she emailed the website, which is probably what brought a lot of this up. And I said that before in the, in the previous podcast, which probably brought up a lot of things. She explained a lot of things to me, too, that A, I didn't know were going on at the time, um, which is her bad. And B, maybe I should have been a little more in tune, you know? But we learn and we grow. Um, I don't know where... I know Giov Giovanna is getting married. Um, or is married. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, she, she listens to this occasionally. I know that. And I don't see her on social media. 
No, she's not on Facebook anyway. Um, Giovanna, don't know. Or Giovanni, don't know. I'm sorry. Isabel, I told you guys, she's working the hospital. Don't see her. Mike check. Years, at least. Uh, I heard him after that as we put the DVD together. And the DVD came out great. And one day I'm going to watch it again. And if I can put some clips on here, I will one day. But it did come out great. It was something special to see, man. I got to tell you, they did a great job. Forget my stuff, because they didn't get the whole DJ set for me, but he got some clips, and he got that part. As long as he got the choir, I'm happy. But seeing us afterwards and then incorporating the picture with our shoes off and our socks off by the Detroit River, I thought that was just something special. Because that's what it was. This was a special moment. It's like ending a TV show. Ending a series that you've been following and you've been following these characters for so long and you're interested in their lives, you had to come up with a moment. You just had to come up with a good season finale, series finale. This was a series finale. No talks of a reboot, no talk of talks of a revisit, a reunion show. We're not doing some HBO special like Friends did where nobody cares, it's just nonsense. No, it's done. And you can't replicate that and you can't duplicate that and you just have to put it on your shelf of memories and leave it there and it's okay it's totally okay but i would be lying if i said the emotional connection and attachment to it wasn't still there i'm 43 now i have no desire to go back into that scene nor do i want to even if i had a desire i wouldn't do it it's not the same anymore but as movement approaches, I think I'm always going to, when I see those things pop up on social media or I got some friends that, you know, go there or, or you know, whatever. It's gonna, I'm going to think about that. Even the Germans stopped emailing me. After about the third time I said I wasn't coming, they stopped emailing me. That's okay, though. I've known those people for how long? I'm sure if I emailed them back, hey, guys, I'm coming, they'd be like, all right, let's go. Because that's how it was. You had a family from across the globe that you met every year at that festival. Very special. It's not some Coachella thing where I just got to take a selfie and boost up my likes. This was a real festival. And it was a lot of people with a lot of talent there. And I, I, I think the festival has lost something over the years. I mean, I haven't been, but just looking at the list, I don't recognize half the names. And then some of the names, I'm like, why are you still bringing these guys back? They're not the same. But for that period of time, it was awesome. We were all young during that period of time. We went back to our youth. We went back to the, the infancy of our, our techno experience, our techno journey. It was great. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Life of an Average Joe podcast. Shout out to everybody who was there. Shout out to everybody who knows what I'm talking about. To the to the ones that uh, I don't get to hear from anymore. I hope you guys are great. Doubt you even listen to the show, but I can throw it into the universe. It's totally cool. I will be back next week. I hope to have this dude and that dude coming back up. But next week's episode is a phenomenal episode. Still connected. We're going to deep dive some Frank Sinatra. We're going to talk about Sinatra, the man, the voice, the legend. We're going to talk about him as a human being, what he went through. We're also going to talk about his connections to me. I'm not related to him, but what he meant to my life, what his songs mean to me, why a lot of the things that he talked about, I agree with wholeheartedly, even in his faults. I kind of live that way. Maybe not so much like anymore, but there's an aspect of his beliefs that I think a lot of us should pay attention to. Yeah, he wasn't perfect. But we're going to deep dive into that. It should be fun. And then we've got, uh, hopefully, like I said, this dude and that dude coming up. We've got a great episode taking us back to KB Toy Store. Yeah. You guys remember KB Toy Store? Got some stories about that I want to talk about. And a one-hit wonder episode. So, um, yeah, we're going to dive into my mind and talk about the one-hit wonders of my life. Uh, not my relationships. But um, the one-hit wonders of music. Which ones I think I just can't stop listening to, even though they're probably not good. And also, why did they make them? And where did they go? How much money did they bring in? Just just an idea I had. We got a lot of good things coming up with the Life of an Average Show podcast, so check us out. Check me out. Oh, I got another interview coming up too, by the way, so that should be fun. Um, check out the Life of an Average Show podcast.com. You can all past episodes, merch, all the fun stuff there. Um, 
email newsletters, whatever you want to call them. You can also find all the Trash Talk episodes there and links to my amazing sponsors. You guys are great. You guys are really great. Texas Austin. Texas Austin. <laughs> I'm tired. Texas Oasis Brewing. You guys are awesome. Lucky 13s. Tattoo Aftercare. You guys are working magic on my old ink. I need to get some new ink, so I'll probably be using the new stuff soon. But check them out. Don't forget to get the discount code. And I will catch you guys on the flip. See you later.